0: This is the Sports Bash with Mike Gill on 97.3 ESPN. Now, live inside the Matt Black Kia Studios, here's Mike Gill. All right, just after three, the Masters are underway, and of course, the Masters always looks good with Tiger involved, and he is at the top of that leaderboard, having a great start to Masters week here. Feels a little funny with it being in November, but hey, they're out there. No rain, beautiful day in Augusta. We'll get some more insight on this tournament. Tiger Woods is right at the top of the leaderboard on day number one, which is a good sign. He is currently three back of Paul Casey, minus four through 15. So he's going to finish likely in the top five by the end of the day here. Cam Rogers from the Believe Podcast Network, Tiger Woods. We'll take a closer look at how important this tournament is for Tiger after coming off of a win last year. And so much more on this tournament with Cam right now on the Sports Bass Live on 97.3 ESPN. Welcome back, Cam. How are you?
1: Mike, great to chat with you, sir. It is weird to talk about the Masters in November, but you know what? It's 2020. We're here to adapt, (laughs) and it's fun.
0: It is, man, and uh, i got to be honest, with like only football going on, having this event now, I think it could get lost in the sauce a little over the weekend, but having it Thursday, Friday uh, definitely feels kind of cool. I mean, we're looking at a live picture right now, blue skies, just a beautiful, uh, picturesque day down there. But let's start with Tiger, 4-under. How did you think he started this day, and what does how he started this day tell you about where this tournament could go for him?
1: Well, I'll tell you one thing. This could be another special week for Tiger Woods. Now, we are used to him actually having pretty slow starts at the Masters. You know, his victory last year, he was only two under par after the first round. And here we are. He could actually, if he finishes at five under, uh, break a record for himself in terms of lowest opening round at the Masters. So that would be something in terms of momentum. Look, Augusta National right now is a damp, soggy, soft golf course. What does that mean? Not a lot of roll off the tee. That's okay because the greens are extremely receptive right now. I mean, guys are just throwing darts at these flags and the ball is not rolling whatsoever. It's sticking right there. So you're seeing plenty of Eagles, plenty of birdies. Tiger Woods very much a part of that conversation. He's hitting the fairways. He needs to hit. He's hitting greens at an incredible rate right now, 80% in terms of greens and regulation So he's doing everything he needs to do in this opening round to set himself up for perhaps, and I don't want to get out uh, crazy here, but maybe a special weekend. Cam
0: Rogers is host of the Tiger Woods podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. And uh, I want to, you know, you look at what you expect from him moving forward. The start kind of tells you that. But how big would this be if he was in play meaning we just said it could get lost in the sauce with football going on at the same time, but we were opening the show with Tiger Woods has that drawing power. Does he have enough drawing power at this stage of his career to maybe chip into a football Saturday or Sunday?
1: (laughs) We're going to find out. Isn't that right? We have college football and the NFL to battle with as golf fans, so it's going to be really interesting to see, A, if Tiger Woods is in contention this weekend. And then B, see those ratings come Monday and Tuesday, NFL compared to the PGA Tour and the, the Masters this week. Here's the deal. CBS is only doing NFL games in that 4 o'clock hour, right? So you're only competing with the Fox NFL games on Sunday during that 1 o'clock window. So that's something to ponder. The plan is to get the Masters finished by 3 o'clock. So that's some of the logistics that are in play here. But as far as Tiger Woods is concerned, he moves the needle in the game of golf. I mean, he is the game. That's why I have a show dedicated to him. And so if he is in the hunt on Saturday, on Sunday, he very much will garner some eyeballs. The amount, I'm not exactly sure. And it could be less compared to last year because, you know, it was Tiger's big breakthrough. It was April, not a lot of sports going on. But still, he's going to bring a lot of interest this weekend. I think – No LSU Alabama could help. I think that was a late game anyway, but just something to think about there. Some other college football games canceled, too. My Maryland Terrapins not in action this weekend against Ohio State. So, yeah, it'll be an interesting study, no doubt.
0: Uh, Right now, uh, Tiger 4-under. Paul Casey leads at 7-under. Cam Rogers is host of the Tiger Woods podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. And what about... Right now, day one, seven under, Casey, does that tell a story at all, Uh, or is this just day one and we expect a lot of movement?
1: No, I think we're going to see a lot of low scoring throughout the week here, Mike. Like I mentioned, receptive greens, a damp golf course. This isn't like the British Open, wind howling and very dry conditions. That's actually what we thought was going to be the case this week because, you know, November, and even though it's in Georgia, it was supposed to be like 60 degrees and dry, but... It's unseasonably warm there, and we talked about the rain. So we're going to see a lot of scoring this week, perhaps not a 20-under winner, but we could see somewhere around 16, 17-under to the winner on Sunday afternoon. Paul Casey has a beautiful resume at this tournament. He missed the cut last year, but the years prior, he was racking up top 15 finishes. So he's a guy to watch. Webb Simpson, Hideki Matsuyama, these guys have been there, done that in terms of winning on the PGA Tour, and in the case of Simpson, winning a major championship, so the Masters always brings a chalky leaderboard, to use a betting phrase, all the favorites typically rise to the top, and we're starting to see that already. Who
2: surprised you the most to this point?
1: Well, you know, I think Bryson DeChambeau is an interesting study right now. He's one under par. He's kind of trying to save his round, and he had a brutal start. And this was the concern about his game, the favorite going into this week. But still, if he swings so hard, and he typically does, he's going to run the risk of of spraying the golf ball all over the golf course. And so, yeah, sometimes it works kind of like at the U S open where he won, but sometimes he can be in the woods for half his round. And I think that's the risk you take when you swing like Bryson DeChambeau does. And so look, one under par, he's fine, but as the favorite, you're expecting a little bit more. And I actually thought that he could, you know, go extremely low in this opening round. So If you're Bryson, you're pretty disappointed right now, but that's what you get out of his game sometimes. It's volatile, right? You can see the good rounds, and then you can see perhaps the missed cuts. I don't think that'll happen for him this week, but it still could happen, say, if he shows up tomorrow and he really struggles.
0: Kim, there's nobody there, no patrons.
1: Advantage Mm -hmm. anybody or not a factor? I would say advantage first-timers and disadvantage for the likes of Rory McIlroy and Tiger Woods. Tiger even admits it. Like, he feeds off of that crowd, and that's something that I actually did not expect. You know, Tiger is always known as the tunnel vision guy, you know, doesn't really engage with the fans when he's out there and he's playing, but he actually does feed off of the noise and the roars, especially at this tournament. So he's doing okay so far, but with that said, you know, it is an adjustment for some of these guys, but for the first-timers, like, Maybe a Scotty Scheffler, a Colin Morikawa, the reigning PGA champion. These guys can kind of just coast, right? They don't have to worry about the electricity, the intimidating roars on Sunday afternoon. They just play their game and see what happens by the end of that fourth round. So I think, you know, we could see perhaps a first-timer win this week. There's a better chance this week than, say, a typical week during April.
2: Going back to competing with the NFL, hypothetically, do you think Phil Mickelson would move the needle?
1: I do. I do. 100% at his age and the way in which he's playing golf right now, which is not very good. If you look away from the champions tour, he's tearing up the champions tour, but on the PGA tour, he's not playing all that great, but Phil certainly. Yeah. I mean, you think about the match that we have with tiger and Phil a lot of times. I mean, there's a reason those two are always involved. And so if Phil Nicholson is in the hunt on Sunday, I think he very much will garner a lot of interest. Probably not to the degree of Tiger Woods. How about if both of them are involved, though? That will be a really interesting case study, if you will, in terms of the amount of eyeballs that go to the Masters and then go to, say, the NFL that day as well. Um
0: I like uh, Cam Rogers, is host of the Tiger Woods podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. Uh, he's joining us with the Masters uh, underway today. All this week, Paul Casey is in the lead seven under, and of course, Tiger is four under, so he is within striking distance after one day. Uh, you wonder how disastrous it would be, you know, hosting the Tiger Woods podcast so you can speak uh, on this if Tiger didn't make the cut. How of a disastrous would this be for the fall Masters?
1: Yeah, uh, Tiger doesn't miss the cut at Augusta. He just doesn't. (laughs) You're not even thinking of that. Devastating, if that were to happen. I mean, here's the deal. I mean, there's something about Tiger rolling down Magnolia Lane, regardless of recent form, and still playing solid golf. It doesn't have to be top 10, but I'm talking about a top 30, top 40 finish. I mean, you go back to 2010, for example, guys. Remember the scandal and the long layoff, and he shows up to the Masters, a lot of buzz around him about how his game was going to be. He finishes inside the top five 2015. He had the back problems, the chipping yips, which you certainly can't have at this golf course finishes tied for 17th. So there's something about, you know, that experience that he can really drive off of. That's why sometimes you see the older golfers, i.e. Ali Westwood right now toward the top of the leaderboard, Fred couples for so many years, Bernhard Langer, another example, this course really can cater to the older guard, and I think Tiger Woods at 44 years old is drawing off of that. Why does John Rahm's name seem to be
0: so popular this week if you're betting?
1: Well, maybe it's because I picked him and everybody's talking about him now. No. <laughs> I mean, look, this guy's got the balanced game, right? I mean, he does everything so well: driver, irons, short game, and putter. He has the demeanor to win a major championship, and obviously that. Big time highlight, skipping the ball off the water and then actually making it in the hole. Obviously, will garner some attention on social media and perhaps talk radio as well. So, look, John Rom, I think is starting to peak. He and Dustin Johnson, from what I understand around the industry, have been getting the most chatter about winning this week. Not Bryson DeChambeau, John Rom, or Dustin Johnson. Two bombers to have similar games. Uh, in terms of their short game prowess as well. It all comes down to the putter for them. If they can be tour average this week with their putters, one of them's going to win. And uh, I think John Rahm is in great position right now firing a 69 today. He's uh, tied for eighth as we stand.
0: By the way, a couple of names. Brooks Kepka is even. Phil Mickelson is even. Bubba Watson is even. One uh, over for Rory. So those are some of the bigger names. Jordan Spieth plus two. Uh, so those are some of the bigger names uh, that we, you know, are recognized on this first day of the Masters. If there are any other under the radar, guys. If somebody might want to say, we're in Jersey, you know, put a wager down. Uh, who are some guys that you're uh, intrigued by?
1: Really love Bubba Watson this week, guys. Two time Masters champion. He's even as we stand. I thought he was a great value play going for an outright win going into this week. I don't know necessarily what you could play on him right now, now that the tournament has started, but. You know, you could do some live betting for sure. Look, this guy is coming in with really good form. His irons are fantastic. We know he can crush the golf ball off the tee. And there is that narrative, too, that Augusta National can cater to that lefty golfer with that bleeding right to left cut that Phil has, that Bubba Watson has, and Mike Weir did it in 2003 as well. So, I think Bubba Watson, a really nice dark horse. We haven't talked about him a lot since the PGA Tour restart back in June. People should be talking about him now. He's Cam Rogers at Mr. Rogers99, host of the Tiger Woods podcast
0: on the Believe Podcast Network. You can get that at Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcast. And he, like all guests, appeared via the Boardwalk Honda Hotline. Cam, enjoy the Masters in November. Hey, guys, appreciate it. Chat soon, all right? All right, we sure will, and uh, if Tigers wins it, that podcast will be a must-listen. Tiger Woods Podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. Sports Pass brought to you by Matt Blatt, Kia. They want to get you approved today. Matt Blatt, sixty two eleven Black Horse Bike in EHT. When you listen to Baldy, it's all about football. You get the juice. When you
2: listen to Coach Lynam speak, you're ready for some hoops. When you listen to Cam Rogers, I'm ready
0: to watch some tees. You know, saying, for tee off, baby. You that uh, pumped up about talking about golf. He does he that makes me great. ready to go. Look at this, look at that nice punt. Wow! I'm ready to go. He just brought him up. How about that? Goosebumps. Good stuff from Cam Rogers. All right, when we come back, Jeff Piscino from the com answers your fantasy football questions. Get them in now. 609-403-0973. 609-403-0973. Week 10 Fantasy Football. He answers your questions coming up next right here on the Sports Bash on 97.3 ESPN and the free mobile app. We never stop talking Eagles and NFL. It's football at 4, every day at 4pm on the Sports Bash with Mike Gill. on 97.3 ESPN. 20 after three, the Sports Bash. Mike and Broads on Mike Gill, at Mike Gill Show on Twitter. Give me a follow, at Broads81. You can troll him over there. I don't want the troll job. What? I said, at Broads81. You can troll him. Just follow me, at Mike Gill Show. We had a great daily drive show today. A lot of questions. I couldn't even get out of the car. People kept asking me questions. I said, all right, I got to go. Wow. Sat in the parking lot for like 10 minutes answering questions. That's because you put on one hell of a show, Gil. Daily drive. It was pouring rain today, so it was hard for me to answer the questions because I had to keep my eyes on the road, you know? With the flat tire, too? Nah, I fixed that flat. Oh, uh, okay, good. Fix a flat. Jeff Piscuino, footballguys.com, and he is brought to you by a lilly Inn, Route 206 in Chamong, home of South Jersey's best wings. He brings you... Week 10 in fantasy football. If you have a question for Jeff Pasquino from thefootballguys.com, text him in right now, 609-403-0973, 609-403-0973. Text your questions in for Jeff. We got Thursday Night Football tonight. Titans and Colts here on 97.3 ESPN. So let's start with that, Jeff. It's a good game on Thursday night. Who should be in your lineup from tonight's game?
3: Well, the quarterbacks, both Phillip Rivers and Ryan Tannehill are borderline at best quarterback ones, but Tannehill looks a little bit better of the two. Running back Derrick Henry is a must-start every week. Jonathan Taylor looks like a solid pick as well for the Colts, so they're both going to try to run the ball. Naheem Hines and Jordan Wilkins are more flex plays. Wide receiver A.J. Brown and Corey Davis for the Titans are must-starts, as well as Jonathan Smith at tight end. Wide receiver is kind of a mixed bag for the Colts. Uh, T.Y. Hilton's coming back from injury. He's more of a flex, as is Zach Pascal with the wide receiver two spot. Trey Burton's a sneaky tight end if you need one to pick up.
0: All right, there's your Thursday nighter. Get your guys in, and don't forget, you can listen to that game right here on 97.3 ESPN. All right, we got quarterbacks to take a look at here for week number 10. Can you believe it? Week number 10 in the fantasy football world. So Jeff Pasquino from the thefootballguys.com is here to help you guys out. All right, here we go. Let's take a look at a couple of uh, interesting names. We like to find those guys uh, who are typically, you know, in that middle of the road where we're not sure what we should do uh, with these guys. So keep that in mind when we're throwing names over to Jeff. Let's start out with the quarterback here and we'll go with Lamar Jackson at New England. Jackson was the MVP of the league last year, but is he uh, starting to be a little bit questionable for fantasy?
3: Well, he's got a great playoff schedule. I'll give him that. And uh, I think that you've got to ride him because you're, he's probably your quarterback one this year. And New England's defense has not been that stout. We saw what Joe Flacco did to him last week. So, come on. You've got to use Lamar Jackson this week.
0: Got to have him in your lineup, he says. All right, let's go to Cam Newton again. He's playing against Baltimore. Newton's a guy that he seems like he figures out a way to run one in, but he's not giving you much else.
3: Right, and he does not, not have a very good supporting cast. He's got some banged-up running backs. He doesn't have a wide receiver to speak of, nor a tight end. Um, I would avoid Cam Newton against probably the number one defense in the Ravens this week.
0: Okay, what about um, you look at uh, Kirk Cousins? That team seems like they're turning the corner a little bit, but is it because of Cousins?
3: Uh, it's, he's a matchup specific quarterback, meaning against the Bears, I really don't like him. Minnesota wants to run the ball with Dalvin Cook and uh, alex madison so I, I i don't trust him this week
0: all right let me go over to matt stafford he's up against washington this week stafford's one of those guys who typically puts up big numbers but he seems like he's been quiet on the fantasy season
3: yeah and washington's defense has gotten a little bit better they have a good pass rush detroit's uh th- the good news is that they're they got galladay back but and they have a good tight end there too but stafford's got to stay upright um i think that they want they run a mixed bag of offense I like Stafford as a QB2 and a QB1, but he has some good upside.
0: All right. Uh, what about a bounce-back week this week for Tom Brady?
3: I think so. I think Carolina's defense has given up a lot this year. Uh, Tampa bay gotten got more weapons now. We're going to talk about Tony O'Prown probably. Uh, I, I, like, I like all the weapons for Tom Brady, even the running back uh, catch the ball out of the backfield. Brady's a top-ten quarterback this week.
0: Fantasy expert Jeff Pasquino, footballguys.com, 609-403-0973. Keep your text messages coming. Hunter is putting together your questions. All right, let's go to the running backs. Let's start here. Mike Davis is back this week. Is he back as an RB one?
3: He is just gonna on a volume standpoint alone. He's gonna get twenty to twenty five touches against Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay's an improved defense. But Mike Davis has looked pretty good as a starter. We have him as the top five running back this week. He's a must start.
0: All right, philip Lindsay at the Raiders. He's a guy who was great last year. Haven't heard much this year. Him and Melvin Gordon, but how about Lindsay and Gordon this week?
3: Yeah, they're kind of 1-A one, one one versus 1-B in Denver. Denver is, it gets a little tough because they often just start to fall behind in the second half, so you minimize the ground game, but Lindsey can catch the ball more than Gordon. Lindsey is more of a running back three flex at best. Uh, Antonio
0: Gibson's back. He had been putting up some big numbers. He's at Detroit.
3: This is a good matchup, probably the, one of the better matchups left for Antonio Gibson on the schedule. Uh, he's a top 20 running back this week against Detroit.
0: All right. Uh, D.J. Dallas is a guy who's kind of been on the fantasy scene the last couple of weeks. If you held out on him, should you put him in now?
3: Yeah, that was one of the teams I wanted to talk about. Seattle, Chris Carson's probably going to be out. Carlos Hyde is out. So you are looking at D.J. Dallas and Travis Homer for that backfield. I like both those guys this week.
0: All right. Uh, Miles Sanders is might might be back, I guess, this week. What are you telling Sanders owners?
3: He practiced this week. This is a must-win for the Eagles. Um, It's a divisional game. Alex Sanders is a running back one this week.
0: Okay, if you watch Monday Night Football, you saw some Rex Burkhead. Do you feel comfortable playing him?
3: In a word, no. But if it's a must, uh, especially in a PPR league, I will use him. I think that New England, they, they're going to mix the ball around, plus you have Cam Newton. I just don't trust that offense for consistency, nor do I like Rex Burkhead for consistency. Again, it's the Ravens. Very good defense.
0: All right. Uh, last time we saw Eagles and Giants, Wayne Goleman was trying to run the clock out, did a nice job. So is Goleman the guy you're going with
3: this week? Goleman's only a, uh, in play if you get Freeman that's out. So when Freeman is out, Goleman usually finds himself in the end zone some way shape or form once a week if Gallman and Freeman are both active Gallman's a flex play at best
0: all right let's go over the wide receivers Jeff Pasquino from the thefootballguys.com text in your questions get them in we're getting them all put together here 609-403-0973 we'll get to your questions in just a second let's look at a couple of wide receivers how about Allen Robinson what's Nick Foles doing to Allen Robinson man
3: uh, he's trying to get in the ball. Uh, Minnesota's defense is a little up and down, but Robinson is the number one wide receiver by a long shot uh, for the Bears. Just on volume alone, he should get seven catches, 80, 80 yards, and 50% chance of a touchdown. So that's a wide receiver one recipe.
0: Jerry Judy, the rookie wide receiver for Denver. They got Vegas this week. What do you think?
3: Uh, Vegas is a sneaky team this year. They're, they're looking pretty good. But both Judy and also the uh, uh, but Patrick, I think all those – the lesser known wide receivers it's a decent bunch in Denver quarterback's really the issue there because Drew Locke's not that great but I think Judy's the number one guy and he's a top 30 guy so you should probably have him in the lineup
0: all right uh, I'm looking over at wide receivers that play against Seattle Cooper Cup Robert Woods what do you think
3: yeah, that's a sneaky offense this week. I like all the Rams to throw the ball a lot. I think they're going to have to. They have to throw against Seattle. Seattle's coming off of a bye. Um, they're going to. It's going to be a high-scoring game in a, in a contested NFC West. I like that game to be a lot of points and a good passing offense for the for the Rams this week.
0: Another team that gave up a lot of points is Buffalo. What about Christian Kirk, another little under the radar guy?
3: Yeah, he's really been the go-to guy for Kyler Murray, especially as a deep threat. Um, They they get uh, Isabella in there once in a while, but really Kirk is a big big explosive play guy. He's definitely a wide receiver, too, with plenty of upside.
0: All right, uh, I want to go one last one. Michael Thomas returned last week, did not do much. Do you feel good about having him in the lineup this week?
3: I do, is from a fantasy standpoint, I think he's a top 20 guy, but I don't expect him to be a wide receiver one just because I don't think they're going to have to throw a ton against San Francisco.
0: All right, uh, Jeff dot footballguys.com, answering your fantasy football questions. You can keep texting them in. We'll try to add them on the fly here. We'll fit as many as we can in in the time allowed. All right, bros, what do you got? All right, here we go. Tim Patrick or Juju
3: Smith-Schuster? I like the way Juju's coming back, and Cincinnati he tends to do well against I Eileen Juju in that matchup.
2: DeAndre Swift or McKissick? Uh,
3: McKissick is probably uh, not going to be as, as used as much because Gibson's going to be in play. So I would go with Swift.
2: Okay, J.K. Dobbins, Melvin Gordon or Zach Moss?
3: Uh, I like Zach Moss. He's fought, got a nose for the end zone, but I like Dobbins even more. So I go Dobbins, and then uh, Dobbins is my number one guy there.
2: Okay, this is a PPR league, and he needs two. Mike Evans. Travis Fulgham, Curtis Samuel.
3: Uh, Samuel does not get the volume, so I'm going to go Fogan and uh, the first guy. Oh, I slipped already.
2: Bridgewater, Cam Newton, or Joe Burrow?
3: Oh, I like Joe Burrow. I think he's got a great schedule the rest of the way. and uh, It's it's a tougher game, but since now he's got a great schedule. It's, it's a tough defense for the Steelers, but Burrow can run, raises his floor.
2: This texter needs two. Miles Sanders, Josh Jacobs, James Robinson.
3: Uh, James Robinson's been a sleeper all year. He's definitely in the roster, and I think I think uh, Miles Sanders is also that. Those are three good choices, but, I uh, mean, that looks to be Jacobs.
2: Okay, and this texter also needs two. Diggs, Fuller, or A.J. Brown?
3: Uh, wow, also a good group. I'd say A.J., Brown, and Fuller. I think Fuller, he's getting the targets. And he's getting open deep. I like Fuller and Cooks this week for Houston.
0: All right, uh, there you go. It is uh, Jeff com, answering your fantasy football questions. Again, thanks to everybody uh, for texting him. If we got to yours, if we didn't, we'll try again next week. We try to get as many as we can in the time allowed. But before we go, we want Jeff to tell us a couple of sleepers, waiver wires, under-the-radar plays for week number 10.
3: Okay, a couple quick wide receivers before we hit the running backs hard. So Jacksonville is getting the passing game going on with uh, Luton as the new quarterback. DJ Baby Chart is back. He's found the end zone last week. I think he'll do it again. And the Viscous Chinook should be back to action. Also, I like Jacoby Myers for the Patriots. That's probably their, their best chance for a wide receiver one. Uh, San Francisco has banged up their running backs. So, Jerry McKinnon and Michael Hasty are probably going to be your running backs this week. Arizona, we have Kenyon Drake back, splitting time with Chase Edmonds. Chicago. There's a mass unit in the running back. David Montgomery's got a concussion. Lamar Miller may share the backfield with Ryan Nall. Lamar Miller could be a very dark, deep sleeper to pick up. There's a name from the past. Houston, David Johnson could be out for a concussion. He's probably out. Get, Get Duke Johnson in there. And lastly, I hear Joe Mixon didn't practice today, so another chance for Gio Bernard.
0: Who did pretty well the last time you got a chance to put him in your lineup? He's Jeff Pasquino from thefootballguys.com. Week 10, get your bye week guys out. Make sure you get your bye weeks from last week in. And of course, tonight, get your Thursday night football players in. Jeff, good luck to you.
3: Good luck, to everybody. Enjoy the games. All
0: right, there he goes. He appeared via the Boardwalk Honda Hotline, and he is brought to you by. The Pick Inn. Be sure to call the pick for your game day favorites like their award-winning wings, ears, and tails online at pickalily.com. I just looked at the 973 ESPN fantasy thing last night for the first time probably since the draft. I'm one and eight. That's cuz you don't play your lineup properly. I forgot. So I picked up some free agents last night. Oh, okay. You're back in now. Well, I feel like I let the the league down. After they let me down early on, my moratorium on letting the league down is over.
2: Interesting. Because now Dalvin Cook is playing phenomenal
0: football. You seem to turn the page. I'm one and eight. (laughs) One and eight. I played you last week, I think. Yeah. I got the W. Yeah, because I had four guys not in my lineup, but I still almost won. Well, I got the win. Well, I picked up some reinforcements this week. All right. Did you do that while drinking a nice cup of coffee? Joe Burrow was available in our league. I picked him up. All right. Did you see my pickup last night? Were Just, you surprised? Yeah, Josh is over there stunned. I totally forgot about it. Totally forgot about it. That's a bad, bad At least I admit it. I, it was a bad job by me. I let the league down, but they let me down too. So we're, we're even. You have to take that up with the commissioner. I brought it up to the commissioner. I know. I felt let down. But I worked out in the end because Davin Cook, smart people pick him. You said that the other day. You, you were talking. We had a guest on Talking Fantasy
2: Football. And you, Casey Joyner. Yeah, it was Casey Joyner. And you said, oh, well, yeah, come on. Yeah. Picked him on my
0: team. He praised you. But he didn't know the background story. That's right. It's funny because in my other league, I was looking for free agents last night. I was hitting the wire. And he just talked about um, James Robinson. Because I have James Robinson in one of my leagues. You know why I have him. Of course I do. Tribal. Andrew DeCheka. Tribal. Yep. And did you know James Robinson, in my fantasy league, for the season, is the third highest scoring running back in the entire league. Third. That's why we have Andrew DiCecco on. Shrine Bowl. There is no Shrine Bowl this season. See, I picked Miles Sanders first in my
2: league, too. too. Yeah, so we're in the same boat. Different leagues, but this Miles Sanders pick is backfiring. He's always hurt. Always. Jeez. And when he does have a good week, you decide to not play
0: him. <laughs> yeah, because I have James Robinson. How that's do I sit That guy. That's true. All right. That's our uh, fantasy focus with Jeff coming up football at four. Adam Kaplan in less than a half an hour. We'll get all the latest from the Eagles getting ready for the G G G Ben. But when we come back, we got the headlines next. This is the radio home for Philadelphia Eagles football. This Sports Bash with Mike Gill, weekdays from 2 to 6, South Jersey's number one sports talk radio show on 97.3 ESPN-FM. All right, 20 till the top, time for headlines. What's going on out there, everybody? Sports Bash, keep voting at 97.3 ESPN. Poll question is up, and you can vote at 97.3 ESPN on this very question. In the end, if the Eagles win the division, the guy who will get the most credit will be blank. I feel like I'm on the match game. Like Alec Baldwin. You ever watch that? Of course. The older versions, though. No, the new one that they have with no, I haven't seen
2: I haven't seen the newer ones. I'm saying I used to watch back in the day, though. Oh, I got the new one now. Alec Baldwin is
0: the host. And he's like, in the end, if the Eagles win the division, the guy who will get the most credit will be blank. What channel is that on now? It's on, like, whatever, whoever plays, like, the games. Game? No, oh, games it's on, like, never- ABC. Like, they do the... Like, they do supermarket sweep, they do pressure luck. They do, like, a whole night where they do, like, old game shows.
2: I haven't watched game shows in a long time outside of the Jeopardy! Wheel of Fortune, like, the other ones. I haven't branched out in a while. I'll tell you what, though, we got some good headlines. But first, this Sunday will truly be a Sunday like no other. With this weekend's major golf tournament, along with both professional and collegiate football, there will be no shortage of action. To celebrate Sunday's action, DraftKings is ensuring all new users are covered up to one hundred dollars. That's right, you bet they cover with risk-free Sunday betting on all of Sunday's action. Download the top rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code 973 when you sign up. Must be twenty-one or older in New Jersey. Only gambling problem. Call one eight hundred gambler. Alright, we gotta start here. This is uh going around the Twitter sphere. Chris Heck had some interesting Things to say about Philadelphia. I just want to hit you with some quotes.
0: So, now Chris Heck is the president of the
2: Sixers business operation.
0: Yes, and this was That's all the about Chris
2: Heck you're talking about. Yes, okay. and this is all about the jerseys, the new jerseys they came out with. He's basically saying, Well, there's been a lot of pushback on these jerseys. Yeah, he thinks the term Philly doesn't really represent what the city's all about. He thinks it's lazy and it undersells the city, the word Philly. So he thinks blue collar isn't really the right way to describe this city anymore. He refers it, he wants it to be referred as New Philadelphia. So, Hmm? yeah, he wants it to be referred as the New Philadelphia. That's not going to catch on. I agree with that. So this is a big quote that stood out to me. This is in regards to the black uniforms. He states this. So if I'm selling out with a black uniform, we better have a reference to the nightlife, and nothing shines brighter than Boathouse Row. That's how we came up with this. I get that it's polarizing, totally fair. I won't go to the grave with this uniform, but I don't dislike it. I just love our other ones maybe more. That's my
0: soapbox. What? I'm really confused. I am so confused all around. He doesn't like
2: the uniforms either. He doesn't like the, he won't go to the grave with this uniform, but I don't dislike it. What type of comment is that after you just released these uniforms?
0: Well, he, uh, Ben Simmons designed the uniform.
2: That's right. Yeah. But if you're going to go on a spiel about how new Philadelphia is all about the arts, the culture, it's about education. It's about diversity. These are his words that I'm saying. Then you go into the uniform and you match those words with this uniform. Then you say you don't like it? You're not going to the grave with it? I mean, it just doesn't add up at all. What's what's his message?
0: I, I, I'm not sure. I like Chris. Uh, and Good dude. A, a lot of people do. I'm not sure that I understand. Um, is that his way of saying, hey, look, if you don't like these uniforms, don't blame me for it. There's a lot of weird messages in terms of just where the city is right now. Blue
2: collar is important for the city, but it's not the only component. And then he talks about how we like more of a different narrative than the blue collar hockey thing. It's almost like he's taking a shot at the city's personality for being a blue collar
0: city, and he doesn't like that. Well, maybe he doesn't view their fan base as the same as the Eagles fan base or the Flyers fan base. He looked at it as a more diverse mix. Sure. And I think in, in
2: all of, you know, cities, there's the blue collar people, there's the white collar people. There's plenty of people who go to Sixers games who have that blue collar mentality where they're up at six o'clock and they're working construction, they wear the hard hats, and then there's the other business side of people that might be more white collar when it comes to working, but you can't just take that out of Philadelphia, the blue collar part. That is Philadelphia, no? For some people. But isn't that the city when you think of an East Coast city? For the
0: most part, you are thinking about that blue-collar atmosphere. This goes back to this conversation we had yesterday. It's been drilled into your head that the Cowboys are the rival because that's what some old head told you. And I'm saying, I'm a free, independent thinker. I don't need an old head to tell me who the biggest rivalry is. I know there's a team an hour and a half from me. That, to me, is the one that I get up for. So these old heads have been telling you, we're a blue-collar. But they but it is, though. There's sections of the city that are, and there's other sections that it really aren't.
2: Right. There's obviously going to be white-collar situations in all of the East Coast cities, but when you look at the
0: history of yeah, Philadelphia. Yeah, I mean, to the main line. Is that a blue-collar area? Not like that real blue-collar inner city type stuff. How about not at all? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, that's a lot of Sixers fans out in that area. Villanova. Out on the mainline area, you go out to Haverford. They're saying those people are our fans too. I guess I don't know. I just find it so interesting just, that when well, you look at the, the history question?
2: of Philadelphia, I think he was just making a statement. Well, who got on- this on the record? Like where, where? Where did it come from? Did he had a press
0: conference or something?
2: Well, That's I, I don't know. I didn't. I doubt he had a press conference. Oh, maybe he did have a media call. Hmm. Josh said there was a media call involved. All I know is these quotes are flying around around like no other, and he's getting a lot of
0: hate for yeah, his words. Yeah, I mean, quite frankly, you go over to the, uh, to the Jersey side of the bridge. You're in Haddonfield. Is that blue-collar? Yeah, but there's plenty of blue-collar area. I but-, know, but I'm saying, like, so I think his point is we're just uh, saying it's blue-collar. That's one section of the city, but that's not all of the fan base in this area is not – you know? Well, if that know, was his message, he did a
2: very poor job of describing it. I wouldn't have been upset if yeah. he did it logically and it made sense. Like, hey, we want to target more than just the blue-collar parts. But the way he described this and the way that he talks about how great the city is outside of blue-collar and then he downgrades the jerseys, the point is to compare the two and make it one. We did this, we made these jerseys because we look at the new Philadelphia with the arts, the culture, the education, the diversity. That's how he views the city, so these jerseys describe that. But I don't really like the new jerseys.
0: (laughs) It's ridiculous! It's actually wild! I don't understand... He's a smart guy, that's why it blows my mind. I just don't understand why you would say, I don't dislike it, I just love our other ones maybe more. That's my soapbox. Where does that fit in? First off, I'm not a big fan of any of them. I think they could have done a better job on all of the jerseys. And I said, I don't, like the red ones I don't love. I didn't like the gray ones. I don't like the cream ones. I'm just not a big fan of what the Sixers have done with their uniforms. I think they could have been they could have done a much better job. They've had so many chances to, like, re-market this team with the, like, if you're not going to keep the same, I can't stand these teams changing their uniforms so often. That I can't stand. But if you're going to keep doing it, I haven't seen one that I'm like, those are fresh.
2: He also said this in terms of loving almost everything about the Iverson era. The one thing that always drove me nuts were those silly black uniforms with the red and gold. How could we become the Pittsburgh Pirates? It's one of his quotes from today. When did the Pirates wear
0: red and gold? I have no words for you. I don't remember the Pittsburgh Pirates wearing red and gold. So, overall, when you look at this
2: topic today, and you look at Chris Heck's statement, there's not a lot adding up to uh, logical
0: quotes here. He's all over the map. I wish I could help him out here. I don't have much for him. I, I The only thing I could say, like you said, like, If he was saying the whole blue-collar thing is meant to be positive, I hear it all the time. We actually don't use the term Philly because we think it's lazy and undersells the city. Okay, we're not including the entire city. Because I can understand that from, like, that point of view. Oh, I agree. It just wasn't explained well if that's what he was going with. You're like, he's essentially saying that we're only talking about South Philadelphia down here where, you know, we got a lot of blue-collar workers. But we're not including the main line. We're not including the people on the Jersey side. We're not, you know, like out in the suburbs. Okay, but I don't understand why he had to bring that up.
2: Right. Poor job out of him. No doubt. Especially if you're trying to market these jerseys, you just totally fell flat on your face. Kind of. But I think if
0: you like them, you're going to buy them. You're not going to go like Chris Heck said, (laughs) I don't like these uniforms. (laughs) Right. I would agree with you I agree with him, though. He says, I'm selling out with the black uniform. I don't think there was any need. Now, I guess the NBA is saying, look, you can have this city edition. Did you have to have it? Did only certain teams get it? I don't know the origin of why they went with this. I don't think they needed another black. They have a blue one, a red one, a white one. They had a cream one. They had a gray one. They don't need a black uniform. They don't need another jersey. They don't need to have... A 19 uh, another jersey it just they didn't need it well maybe they're looking at it from a revenue side of things. sure of course this is all it's come down to now is can i sell more
2: jerseys right because of missing out on fans and things of that nature they're going to try and squeeze every dollar out of people and you know what If if this is what it takes to get an nba season they're going to try and market some jerseys i'll take that i'll take that all right you know so all right, we'll go to this story here because we've been hearing about the NBA December twenty second, starting on December first for training camps and things of that nature. We actually had a little NBA lot, uh, uh, not a lottery draft, but a um, they went through uh, hypothetical drafts yesterday on ESPN. I was watching a little bit to see what they were going to end up doing. Yes, mock draft—that's the word I was looking for. But with the NHL, we haven't really heard much, and there is they are exploring possibilities because. You got to think about it. You're going to a lot of can a lot of areas in Canada. There's so much involved in hockey outside of just the U.S. They are exploring the possibilities of going to a hub city where you go in, you go there for ten days, you play a handful of games, and then you leave the city. So you are constantly going, playing a handful of games, going home, practicing at home, staying with your family, going back to the city. Playing 10 games, things like that, and just rotating a system like that. How do you
0: feel about that? For the NBA? No, this is the NHL. Oh, okay. So the NHL. Not that it would be much different. So you would be playing in like 10-day spurts? Right. So you would
2: leave your home. You would go to this city, this hub city. You would stay there for 10 to 12 days, it says. You'll play a bunch of games, and then you would leave. Then you would go back home, and then you would come back. So it's their version of a bubble But you're in and out, in and out. But then your team is going on stretches of, let's say, five, six games in ten days. Then you won't see them play for maybe a week or so. And then they play again. You'd be like getting bye weeks
0: in hockey. I understand the whole – I get the aspect of it. It's not a bad idea, but now you're like – you're playing like – for 10 to 12 days. And then what are you sitting for 10 to 12 days?
2: Yep. It says you'll go home, go home for a week, be with your family, come back with a bunch of testing protocol. So it would be you pretty much go home for a week. You'd be practicing with the team and mm-hmm. all that, but you wouldn't be playing games.
0: That's tough, man.
2: That's a bad one. I don't think you can really go down that road. I know the players despised that bubble. There's no chance you can do a bubble again for
0: an 82 game season. No. There's just no way. I thought that would work better for like college basketball where like the whole conference on the weekend goes to one spot. You play a game at noon, another game at 2, and then you do it again Saturday, Sunday. Or maybe Friday night, you fly into a town and everybody plays a game on Friday. or maybe Thursday, Saturday, Friday, Sunday. You go there, boom. And then half the teams leave after their Saturday game. You can play a 7 and a nine thirty. Like You know what I'm saying? Definitely. Like, that would college work. College basketball. That hockey idea, though, to play 10 to 12 days, how many games are you getting in 10 to 12 days? Three? Four? I would think they'd probably try and force at least five in there. How long
2: would it take to get the season done? You, it, it, There's no way it could be an 82-game season if you're taking weeks off at a time, you know? It just wouldn't make a lot of sense. I, mean, I think that, keep in mind, too, you have how many Canadian teams, six, seven. That's a big part of this is because you're not going to be able to travel that much outside, they're really trying to limit your traveling. So they're going to have to do it like a realignment with the NHL schedule and the type of teams you play. Because they mentioned in this article, you're not going to try and have the Florida Panthers travel to go play California teams if you don't really need to. You're going to have to limit the travel, and that's not even talking
0: about out-of-the-country stuff. Hey, look. The NBA is supposed to start December 22nd. I read this last night. When the NBA shut its season down in March, there were 20,000 cases per day. We're up to 120,000 cases per day. They shut it down to play in a bubble with 20,000 cases. Now they're going to restart the league with 120,000 cases? They're going to have to figure something out if they want to get this off the ground. And guess what? The NBA wants to get this off the ground. I know Mark Cuban said he didn't think they should play until there was a vaccine. That's when he said they should hold the season off. So we'll see. Football at four with Adam Kaplan next. Scott Graham here from Westwood One with a Thursday night football preview. Week 10 begins in the Music City with the 6-2 Titans hosting the Indianapolis Colts. It's the first meeting of the season for the top two teams in the AFC South. Tennessee is coming off an impressive win over the